down your pens put down your pencil step away from your keyboards and settle in for this week's episode of the writer's block first and foremost allow me to thank don and sally ray because you come first before everything uh and you gave birth to me so thanks for that uh also thanks to muddy waters media and for allowing me to do this show and thanks to grassroots kava house for uh the kava that i drink on this and every episode of the writer's block to all above bula vinaka Today, I have on a very good friend of mine that I was lucky enough to meet at uh, Young Americans for Liberty Convention, uh, colloquially colloquially known as Yalcon, uh, at the end of last summer, uh, my dear friend, Adrian Carden. Adrian. Hi. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I went to the gym for the first time today in a really long time, so lots of pain. Lots of pain. Oh, yeah. Lots of pain happening in this whole area. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing really well today. Um, How about you? How are you doing? I'm good. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. So, you and I met, like I said, at Yalcon, and... You were a member of the, essentially what was the writing group, correct? The Young Americans for Liberty and Media Ambassadors. Media Ambassadors, that's what, that's what it was called. I, could, I was like, I don't remember the name of what the, 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 the tag said. 
Um, but yeah, you were one of the media ambassadors. And what you guys did is actually pretty cool. Um, you guys would get together and you would all write editorials. And then if the editorials were good, you would send them out. And essentially, you were the right, like you were just kind of the, you were kind of the voice that was sending out uh, liberty-minded articles to different newspapers across the country. I wrote more focused on the environment, um, such as the algae blooms and the protectionism that surrounds corporations specifically that could have contributed to the large outbreak of algae that Florida was seeing. Right. Um, that was killing a lot of wildlife. Are you talking about the red um, tide? The uh, green, like an algae stuff. Yeah, see, it can get kind of confusing because there's some like marine science into it. There, the algae itself is a phytoplankton, but it's more like a cyanobacteria. It's more like a bacteria. So I guess I don't know if you want to call it a bad plankton, but um, they have linked. Because it is a national occurrence to an extent, but the phosphorus in fertilizers on runoffs, like agricultural runoffs, it is a nutrient for the cyanobacteria and it can make it grow very quickly with the nutrients it provides, the phosphorus that's in the fertilizers. Okay. All right. Yeah, I honestly... I. D- I get a lot of flack because I don't really know a lot of, I know a lot about the environment, but I don't know all of the ins and outs of all the different things that, um, people have issues with. Like, I just, like, I know the big ones, you know, I know the plastics and I know, you know, uh, oil and carbon emissions and stuff like that. But when you get down to these levels, I actually have no idea about any of it. Really? Yeah. I really do like to talk about plastics and stuff. I actually have my uh, my little recycle things in front of me right now that I'm going to use for gardening and stuff like that. Plastics, probably one of my favorite things to talk about because you wouldn't think there's a lot to do with plastic, but, you know, the chemicals that it has in it. And then also, like, so this little strawberry uh, thing right now right Right now it would be considered a piece of uh macro plastic it's a large piece of plastic but if i were to cut this up into little tiny pieces it would you know be micro plastic then so the fish eat in the oceans eat a lot of the micro plastic and the chemicals in the plastic bpa or sometimes you'll catch it saying bpa free and then it has bps BPA is bisphenol A and BPS is bisphenol S and they're really not that different. Um, They've been linked to some of the same uh, health issues, but it gets absorbed into the fish when they consume the microplastic and then we eat the fish. So it's like not only are we getting it from containers that we heat up. um, I'm sure you've probably heard don't ever drink a hot water bottle, you know, water bottle that's been left in the sun. Yeah, it's that. Right. Yeah. Uh, people used to get mad at me all the, 
people used to get mad at me all the time because I would just toss a water bottle in the back of my car and then I would drink it and I would use the same water bottle and they're like, do you know how bad that is for you? And I was like, no. Yeah. Aluminum is supposed to be very bad too. When it is heated, it's supposed to be Hmm. linked to dementia and stuff like that. Right. Um, So there's, so there's an old theory and I don't I don't even know how true this is. I remember hearing this when I was young, but uh, the reason that Rome, the reason that Rome fell, is because of lead pipes, um, because they were the first people to have underwater, you know, indoor plumbing, indoor heating, uh, not heating. Of course, they didn't have heating. There was no electricity, but they had indoor plumbing, so they had uh, lead pipes running through the city, and that was how they were getting the water everywhere, and. People were drinking the water from these pipes, and the lead was making them crazy, which is why they say that uh, Augustus fiddled as Rome fell, or whatever that saying is. And, That's interesting. Uh, yeah, and I could see the same thing with aluminum, but like the uh, the 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 Tervis cups or whatever they're called, the metal the metal uh, water carrier drinking thing. The Yetis. Yeah, the Yetis. Thank you. I was like, I can't remember the name of that company. Uh, I feel like everybody in Tennessee knows what a Yeti is. Right. I, I apparently did not live in Tennessee long enough to, to get my Yeti experience. Um, I don't have a Yeti. No, no. I, neither do I. I got, I got my Nalgene, which, you know, I love my Nalgene. But um, we... Uh, so, like, those things are all BPA-free. Are those going to be fine, or are we looking at something that we're potentially going to have to worry about? Are you talking about Yetis? Yeah. I really don't know very much about Yetis. I don't really know what they're composed of. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, they just seem like they're aluminum, so that's why I was kind of curious. Um, so, you go... That would be something interesting to research. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you go to... Uh, Pel- I'm going to try to say this right. Pellissippi State? Yeah, I'll be going back to Pellissippi State this summer. Yes. I'm really excited. I got that right. So yeah, Pellissippi State. Um, and what was your what was your main field of uh, education there? Honestly, I really struggled with my major a lot. That's been my reason for going in and out of school because I wasn't really sure. Because long term, I would really like to deal with international environmental law. So I teach myself. I play around with, I guess, uh, Chinese, Russian, Arabic, and Spanish. Um, I would like to be fluent in those. Um, I would like to move countries towards sustainable routes of living. Um, But right now, I'm mainly just focusing on obtaining my associate's degree. And then hopefully, I will stick with this major for right now. I'm going to be a Spanish teacher for a couple years and save up for law school. That way, I can practice my Spanish skills and that will open up my evenings for me to go to the foreign language Academy here in Knoxville and study other languages and become fluent in those. Excellent. And I'm also interested in obtaining um, some science degrees online after I, uh, you know, settle in to teaching for a minute. Um, More like earth sciences. uh, So I, you know, know more about, botany and things like that right which would which would make sense since you you yeah. seem to either like or hate algae um 
I think it's a hate thing, but I, I didn't know that algae was bad until today. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily bad because what happens is a natural phenomenon to an extent, but the records have shown it's gone up. And I mean, I personally do look more at, you know, what causes that, you know, agricultural runoff, stuff like that. Right. So it is a natural cyanobacteria, but it's what is making it grow to this point where it's such a nuisance that it, you know, it's stinking up beaches and causing animals to, you know, die. Fair. Yeah. So I live, I live here in um, St. Petersburg area, Pinellas County and the red tide, which is a huge issue that we have here in Florida uh, is caused by the runoff from uh, the sugar farms. Um, that are located on Lake Okeechobee and the sugar farms then. And then when the army Corps of engineers were like, Oh, we can fix this. Uh, they put in a dam, but they put in a dam at the wrong spot. So it didn't actually do anything because, you know, federal government does wonderful things. (laughs) And, uh, so the runoff still comes down and they're like, well, we can't really just put in another dam because that'd be stupid and we can't move this one. So we still have this runoff that causes the red tide. The red tide comes out and uh, it just destroys like any chance of anybody wanting to go to the beach. People have said that that is the reason that some of us get sick is because of the red tide. Yeah, it is. It can cause um, problems. Like, yeah. A red- like toy problems yeah some people were saying and, uh, your eyes too that's actually that was where i was going so one of my buddies had some respiratory issues and they were like oh yeah this is probably caused by red tide i ended up having some eye issues that i had to go to the hospital for and it looks like potentially it was caused because of the red tide and i find that really weird since i don't go to the beach like ever like you can probably yeah. tell that from my very pasty skin, but <laughs> I uh, like I don't ever go to the beach, and I live like five minutes from one. And they uh, they were saying no, the red tide probably is what caused this, and you were probably just like slightly more prone to having this issue. Yes. So respiratory problems, serious respiratory problems, it can cause. Um, you know, eye irritation, obviously, and then skin irritations. Yeah, the uh, a lot of people were saying a lot of people were saying that the uh, issues that they were having were all going to be uh, kind of linked to red tide, and that is something that we need to get fixed. Obviously, when you ask the government to fix it, as you and I both know, uh, when you ask the government to fix something, it doesn't; it makes it worse. Uh, much like in that case, but now we need to figure out a different fix. And I don't know. I know that there is a free market solution to it. I just don't know what it is. Uh, actually, I do know what it is. It's uh, recreation. Uh, not recreational hemp. Recreational hemp would be dumb. Um, but uh, being able to grow hemp on your property would fix it immediately. But right now, you can't do that here in this state. Something I want to look into myself because I'm just now starting to try to garden a little bit um, and plant some stuff. I am kind of skeptical about 
fertilizer that has phosphorus in it and i'm probably gonna start researching into that um they could look into that i mean if it's nutrients for the cyanobacteria though it's probably you know beneficial to whatever they're doing there so they're probably not gonna look at it immediately unless a lot of attention is brought to it the phosphorus that's in the fertilizer that you know feeds the cyanobacteria right so since i let so since i uh who were you walking for by the way before yalcon before yalcon i was campaigning in michigan for steve johnson okay for steve yes for uh, operation win at the door yeah for win at the door um yeah, because I knew that you had been doing that, and then that you were working in the media group, um, the media group, and I knew that you were very adamant about environmental stuff, which I am not. I don't really care, but uh, I'm part of that problem, and uh, I'm part of that problem. Uh, I'm certain that many people see. Look at like all this. Throw away one use plastics. Um, yeah, see, my brain doesn't work like that. I go to Walmart, and I it's so hard for me to buy stuff. You should ask my roommate. I look at plastics and I look at jugs and I'm like, this is bad. Like then the cans, like soup cans too. A lot of people don't know it, but BPA is lined around the soup can, you know, to, you know, in the lining of the can. And it's also in receipt paper. Wow. I did. I, I did not know that. Yes. There's a really good documentary. It's one of my favorite. It is plastic paradise and this journalist does some experiments and stuff it's really interesting about plastic you know like when it was formed like the history of plastic and then also um she got into the great pacific garbage patch i don't know if you've heard about that i do, or not. I do that know about spot. yeah it's like the size of texas or something they say yeah so it's like there's this little island and I'm not sure the name of it, but there's this little island and okay, where our country is and then Asia, we're like right here, okay? In the ocean here, there are these two gyres and they whip around like a bathtub drain, okay? So I was gonna say what I was gonna say you're gonna have to explain what a gyre is to me. Yeah. Well like a bathtub drain, like it just like swoops it in and it kinda spits it out and like these two gyres spit it the trash out. The trash that accumulates between here and Asia, you know, the two economic giants, it accumulates in this one specific area and it's not just like the little island that's messed up, it's m like miles out from the little patch okay. that is owned by the U.S. government. Um, she had to get a permit to try to get there. It took her like almost three years, I think, the journalist. But and she finally, you know, was about to give up on it. But she got in there, and it was pretty bad. Yeah, there's a lot of microplastic in the sand. Um, there's a lot of dead birds. I'm not really sure what. An Alcatraz or something Yeah, like an Alcatraz. That? I'm not really sure. Yeah, and they, uh, yeah, they're not really smart birds, but still they're eating our plastic and stuff. They're dying. And then the fish that you catch, you said twice the size of Texas. So the water's like outside from the little island. They stretch out to twice the size of Texas. The, you know, how much trash is accumulated there. Right. And the fish that you catch in that area, if you cut them open, 
you're going to see that they have, I mean, like four to five pieces of plastic in their stomach. And a lot of the fish are dead there. And you won't see all the trash flying up above the island, but when you take a boat through it, you'll see nets and just all kinds of plastic that have just washed up in that area and are just sitting there, like, waiting, you know, to be eaten. Right. And sadly, this is going to be really embarrassing to admit. I, I learned about... uh I learned about this phenomenon. Uh, I learned about this phenomenon from how I met your mother when Marshall got really big into environmentalism and he wanted to fight against Trash Island. And that was his reasoning for quitting his job at uh, Goliath National Bank. So that was actually how I learned about it. And then I was like, I wonder if that's real. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's real. That's, that's, that's a thing. That is really a thing out there. Um, yeah. So you, uh, so you were walking for Steve, you were walking for Steve in Michigan and then you, uh, and you've been a member of Yao, but you also, and this was actually really surprising to me when I, uh, was doing my mild amount of research on you. Um, you were in the Marine Corps. That is not something I would have expected from you. You just, really? Yeah, you just seem so like sweet and not marine. Well, if you talk to people in my party here at home, they would probably tell you that I'm kind of a jackass sometimes. That's fair. Like if just a little bit. I mean, okay. Sometimes I mean it just really depends. I'm pretty direct and I'm pretty I'm pretty, you know, to the point. With most things, I really did like the Marine Corps, like the environment. Um, I really did thrive in that um, environment. Not, you know. I get it because sometimes, like sometimes, they're like I know for me personally, I need to have a schedule kind of set out for me. If I set out my own schedule, I'm not great at keeping it. Like I'm like oh, I can push that back. I can push that back. When I was because I entered the. Um, I, I was in the army and I went into basic training. I was 17 years old. And while I was in, it was like complete night. Like granted, I had just gotten, you know, I was still in high school, I think. And I had to do the high school thing, but this was completely different. Like I wasn't taking random naps in the middle of the day. I couldn't just skip whenever I wanted to. Like I had, I had to do all, yeah. of, I had to do all of this stuff and, having that kind of uh regiment was actually really good for me. Um it kind of helped me focus a little bit better. Today I don't think I would do real well in it, but back then, yeah, it was great. Um so I get why you would say I get why you would say that uh you were of why you liked it. It makes sense to me. Um I really liked the uh, I like the camaraderie of the corpse too i mean i just you know me speaking as someone you know that was in the corpse um it's just something that you won't really find in the other branches the camaraderie that you'll find in the marine corps the heart um something that i really do um miss a lot i get i get that uh i mean as far as the camaraderie goes that's going to be depend like minus the air force of course uh, that's going to be dependent. Yeah. Every branch is going to say that they have the best camaraderie. 
yeah you know like i'm still friends with people that i was in basic training with uh i talked to a couple of them you know somewhat regularly not a, not as much as I used to, but that was many, that was a few years ago. That was, that was a while ago. Um, but, uh, yeah. So uh, as far as that goes, like a lot of, a lot of the friendships that I made while being in the military have been just huge impacts on my life. And as I watch each of them slide further and further to the left, I get a little bit sadder inside, but, um, so yeah, when I when I saw that you were a marine, I was like, "What? She is so little, like and sweet, and doesn't look like she eats crayons." But um, that's a military joke for anybody who did not get that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was actually really it was really cool to see. Um, so right before the show, you were telling me about a gentleman named Andrew Wilson out of Knoxville. Yes. So a few years back, Andrew ran for city council, Knoxville city council. And he has recently designed this game and it is on libertydex.com. You can go there. I like that. You made, I like that you made your own props. I like it. Yeah, it has a. Uh, you can I don't know if you can tell, but the dots are yellow and blue. You know, but uh, he has designed this game, and it combines libertarian principles with quotes of liberty, and it's a way to start discussions with your family and friends over a nice, friendly game. You can buy buy the cards um, individually by themselves or you can buy them in bulk at his website. Okay. And the proceeds will go to the LP. Nice. Libertarian Party. So is it is it like a uh, Cards Against Humanity game or is it is it not is it is, is it a comedy game? Is it a, what kind of game? Like do you just have do you just have the, uh, like the libertarian principle, and then you have to line up the quote with it? I'm not really sure. I would like to get one for myself. I was just told about this today, so oh, cool. I'll definitely have to check it out and then let you know about it. So, uh, speaking speaking of Knoxville, because I gotta ask, um, they I, I think that Knoxville has a really cool mayor. Or well, Knox. I know Knox County has a really cool mayor, um, and I was just curious as to whether or not you have met him. Did, um. Yes, I have. And uh, for can you tell everybody who that is? Yes, Glenn Jacobs. Sorry, I got a message from Andrew Wilson actually asking me how he could uh, get me a Liberty Deck. Nice. Um, Excellent. So. Okay. Um, um, so, yeah, Glenn, Glenn Jacobs is the mayor of Knox County. Is that, no- is that Knoxville? Like, I should know Tennessee a little bit better than I do, but I don't. Yes. Okay. So, for anybody who doesn't know, Glenn Jacobs is Kane from the WWE. Uh, 
Um, he was like one of the... I think he was one of the bad guys. I'm not 100% sure. I don't watch WWE. But I think he was one of the bad guys. And he uh, was one of the heels, I think, as they refer to them. And the dude's like eight feet tall and just wide and looks like he could break me into like six pieces. And he recently ran. Did he run as a libertarian or did he, he run as a Republican? Honestly, I'm really not sure. Okay. I didn't really help out on that campaign. I just spoke with him briefly. Gotcha. I, uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure. Like, I was. I know he is a libertarian, and I have known that for a while. But I wasn't sure which one he ran as. Um, but yeah, he seems like a really cool guy. He seems like a really nice guy. Like many of my friends have met him, and uh, they all say he's super nice. Yeah, he was definitely nice when I talked to him. He seems like if you have an idea and, you know, he thinks it would work out well, that he would cooperate with you and try to work something out. Nice. Um, so, Andrew did not win, correct? No, he didn't, okay. sadly. Well, I know, so, I know that when we were chatting earlier, we were talking about people who were running uh, in the state of Tennessee uh, for city councils and stuff like that. Um, have, do you know how many people you have in office right now? Honestly, I do not. Okay. That would have been a great thing to ask before I got on here. I know that we do have, um, Cole Ebel and he is, um, in, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Carthage city council. Okay. And then his wife, Erica is commissioner for a county, and I'm really not sure which one she is in. I would imagine. But they both ran and won. I was going to say, I would imagine it's the same one that he's in. Just guessing. Um, But um, I know that you guys have some legislation that you are, you got a bill that you're working on getting passed, correct? Yes, it's our ballot access bill. Okay, and what 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 is the ballot access bill? Like, I know what it is, but, like, so, I have an idea what it is. Basically, right now, in the state of Tennessee, if I wanted to run, I would have to, you know, get 25 independent signatures if I was running as a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent, and we are trying to get ballot access as a libertarian party here in Tennessee, and previously, before this recent race, we had to get 33,844 signatures to be put on the ballot as a libertarian. And we ran about 15 candidates for governor here. Okay, Tennessee broke record for the, you know, largest amount of candidates running in a a governor's race. So we had 28 total and 15 of those were libertarians. And we did this to really kind of 
show the state, you know, we're here, like we're a party and just to show how ridiculous it is for us to, you know, have to run 15 people as, a, you know, an independent, you know, like they ran as an independent because that's all they could run as, you know, they're not going to run as a, you know, Republican or a Democrat, but basically we're just trying to get that little L on the ballot and uh, now we have to obtain 55,980 signatures. How much? 55,000? Yes. So it went up from 33,844, and it is now at 55,980. That, that's insane. Yeah. And, uh, that is absolutely. We tried to collect a lot of the signatures when it was a 33,000. Um, we didn't reach the number, but we uh, are just wanting fair ballot access for our party here in Tennessee. Absolutely. Like, why, why would you need to have more than the others? Like, that makes no sense. Well, they say that it's going to cost X amount of dollars to put the L on, you know, there. I don't know. That it's going to cost a lot of money, right? Pretty much. So, uh, first of all, Liberty Claws Tom Arnold uh, is commenting on the video as we're going, and uh, he seems to be very proud of you. By the way, uh, he said, "My girl." And Thanks, Tom. <laughs> I get nervous. He also said that uh, right now you guys have six people in office. You've got four county commissioners, one county executive, and one city commissioner, which is actually, that's amazing. That is actually really amazing, especially for a state the size of Tennessee. Um, but, and what, I, I left the Libertarian Party a little while ago, uh, a couple of years ago now, um, and I, I am currently no party affiliate, just so everybody knows. Uh, I'm currently no party affiliate. But when I was in the Libertarian Party, I understood that the entire basis of the Libertarian Party is it's a bottom-up organization. And that it, and my joke always was, we're a bottom-up organization, which is how we always get screwed. But the idea is that is where you build the base is at the bottom. You need the people in your city, uh, your county commissions, your city commissioner, your county execs. You need them on the city councils. You need them in those positions first, proving that it can work on a local level. So that way people will start to say, yeah, I really like what, what this guy, let's say Andrew, uh, let's say Andrew Wilson runs again and he wins, hopefully, fingers crossed, and everybody's out there playing Liberty Decks. Um, but, but Andrew Wilson wins and people like it. And then Andrew Wilson moves on. He's in the, uh, I don't know if they have a state house there. Do they have a state house there or a state, uh, legislature? I am really not with the technical terms right okay. now. I'm we'll, call it, on it, so I really- we'll call it the house. So he gets into the state house and people like him there. And then he moves to the state Senate and people like him there. And then he moves on to the house of representatives or the Senate, the federally. And like, that is the way that the libertarian party really needs to build their base. Like, yeah. So start at the bottom is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Like people are all worried about bill weld leaving the party and going to the Republic, going back to the Republicans and that doesn't matter. Like, 
I, I hate to say it like as bluntly as this, but the libertarians aren't going to win the presidency in 2020. It's not going to happen. There is, there is no mathematical odd of that happening. So instead of people's, fo- sorry, go ahead. What? Sorry. I was going to say people's hearts and minds aren't ready for libertarian philosophy just yet. Right. Everybody. Exactly. And instead of focusing on, is Bill Weld going to run as a libertarian or run as a uh, Republican? Instead of that, focus on getting your Andrew Wilsons and the other people elected to your city councils and to your county commissions and city commissions and all those kind of things. So that way you can prove that it works on a local level and then it can be applied yep. on a federal level. Um. I also just want to point out that Tom Arnold doesn't think I'm funny, and that makes me really upset, by the way. Just pointing it out, since he's watching me right now. Um, So, you were talking to me uh, before this episode. You had a lot, you have a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of grand plans for your future, and I'm going to be honest, I like all of them. I do. Thank you. I do. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about unseen children okay so unseen children is still in the making but it is going to be a program that is going to connect children here in the u.s with kids over in uganda and the facebook page for that is rescue a child international okay and tracy tisdale will be um, working on this a lot. And they're going to be starting at her daughter's school. Kids at her daughter's school are going to be writing to children in Uganda. Like, it's going to be beginning with a pen pal program. Okay. And then they're hopefully, you know, going to do some fundraising and raise some money to help out some kids over in Uganda. No, that's, I mean, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And, you know, you and I are both on the same page on the free market aspect of things and being able to raise money on the, like in a free market aspect, as opposed to, you know, asking the government for money. Um, Yeah. And, or like, and then, you know, like there's always organizations. I know I've seen a lot where, the money doesn't really go to the kids, you know, it goes to, or only a certain small chunk of the money goes to the kids and the rest goes to, you know, whoever. Right. It, go, it goes to the, yeah, it goes to the bureaucracy of the organization uh, instead of going to the, uh, instead of going to who it's intended to go to. Um, you see that a lot with like uh, the Red Cross. It's like, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I didn't know we were going to get here, but uh, I think 10% of the money donated to the Red Cross actually gets to where it's supposed to go. And it's, that's insane. Yeah. Um, one, there, there's an organization that I very near and dear to me, uh, but uh, Keller Williams, the real estate company, uh, they have an, a nonprofit uh, called Keller Williams Cares. And People donate to it. People donate to it 100% um, 
uh, it's 100% funded uh, privately, and 100% of the money donated goes to what the organization says it's supposed to go to. Yeah. And that's for when uh, Katrina happened or when the, the hurricane here in Florida happened, which is weird that I don't know that name because I live here. Um, or <laughs> when, when, when massive events happen and members of Keller Williams are put out, Keller Williams actually pay, like, will pay them from the coffers and all of this money that people donate to will go to help these real estate agents. And I just think that's absolutely incredible. I actually know a guy who lives in, he lives just outside of Philly and his son, uh, had unfortunate, his son unfortunately had uh, brain cancer and he couldn't get, he didn't have enough money for, he didn't have enough money for the medical bills. Keller Williams cares paid, paid for all of it. And it, I mean, it's a great organization, but yeah. what, what I really like about it is, you know, it's completely free market and a hundred percent of what you donate goes to help these people. I, it, that is the model. I think that most people should try to emulate when creating these things. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that, you know, community is the solution for all of our problems and, you know, not forced community volunteerism. Right. Um, so you said that you follow uh, Sherry Voluntary on, on the old Facebook. Yes. Um, honestly, I don't know if she's watching this right now, but she's definitely my inspiration, probably my role model, because she is um, an anarchist and she took place in our governor's race here. Right. And she took third place, you know, and she didn't even campaign. So I thought that was really cool. It was just from people that follow her podcast and her posts and stuff. I thought that was really awesome that she was able to snag third place without even campaigning. Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, that's actually really incredible. I didn't, I didn't know she ran for governor. So it was uh, definitely a, uh, surprised when you said that but uh yeah i followed her for i've followed her for years and I, multiple people i know are actually friends with her i don't i've never personally met her but um yeah as she's a, a cool chick yeah as soon as um as soon as we get done here i'll tag her in the video and be like hey go to minute 40 ish and uh that way you can hear your little shout out um but you said that you really wanted to work with uh, adopted children, correct? It... So long term, I would really like to, um, honestly, it's going to sound a little radical, but I would like to seek out um, children that are specifically being um, forced to work in places like, okay, cocoa fields, like I know, okay. If you go and you research the cocoa industry a little bit, you're going to see that some of our supply chains are linked to child labor. Right. And I would really like to go in and I would like to get teams to go get those kids. And I would like to open international orphanages for kids that, you know, either have been kidnapped and taken and forced to work in those, you know, circumstances or that their parents have been kind of tricked into, you know, like, cause some people, they don't, they need money and they're in debt. So 
a lot like the traffickers, like, or, you know, the people that take the children, you know, they kind of tell them like, we'll give you this much money and they really don't give them the money necessarily, you know, they don't really, and they don't see their kid again. So that's something that's really, um, important to me. And especially, um, I would especially like to work with children that have grown up in, uh, war zones. Um, I would like to make sure that they are, you know, being taken care of and, uh, learning. And I would really like to see, um, nature preschools make it come in, you know, like swoop in and kind of, you know, show kids about. I was going to say, what's a nature preschool? Okay. It was, and they teach kids about forestry and like micro farming and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to have to ask another dumb question because again, like I said, I, I, I'm not like into any part of the environmental thing, but no, it's okay. I'm like obsessed. Okay, cool. What's micro farming? So a person that has like a pretty big farm they're okay micro farms or very small farms like just maybe you have four or five crops maybe you know you don't have like a huge field an acre you know it's not a huge farm plantation or anything by any means you know small okay so it's just okay so like just like what you would be able to do in like a backyard kind of a thing Yes, like my friend's mom, um, her company in Knoxville, Little Valley Haven, yeah, Little Valley Haven, um, she has a little area um, for her female goats, and then she has a little area for her male goats, and she milks them, and she uses uh, goat milk to make goat milk soap and natural organic soaps. Um, with uh, some essential oils, you know, that have different benefits and stuff. And she makes lotions and she makes something else. I know she may, I think she makes beard balm too. She makes a lot of stuff like that. And then they have their little crops that they're growing, but they're not participating in the farmer's market here in Tennessee. Something that I'm looking at starting is, like a personal project for me is promoting the micro farmers in Knoxville because there's already farmers market for farmers that are more established, you know, right. and I've been doing this for a while, but I would like to make a mini catalog of smaller farmers, the micro farmers. Okay. No, that that's cool. Like I, so I've lived basically in cities my entire life. Um, yeah, I, I prefer the big city as opposed to the open spaces, which is weird for somebody of our political belief system. But um, uh, we called them community gardens, I guess would be the best way to put it. And like, you know, you would have people who would farm, multi, you know, who would grow and farm multiple things just in a community. And if you were hungry, you would just go and you would grab whatever you wanted. And everybody was always fine with it. And I never did it because I basically don't eat vegetables because I'm really unhealthy. You don't eat vegetables? No, like never. Like never. Um, I think I've had like a piece of celery this month. 
Um, celery is disgusting. I know. I know. Like that's the why, worst one. That's why I don't eat vegetables. Um, but yeah, like I barely eat vegetables. Like if I'm getting a burger, I don't need that to be tainted with vegetables. So I just get the burger. Um, you don't get lettuce or anything no, on it. You just get no. the burger, just the burger and the cheese. Yeah, I will. I will eat the pickle. <laughs> I will eat the pickle that's on the side. But uh, other than that, nah, don't really need it. Um, I'm certain that my arteries are just like this, uh, just completely clogged, but eh, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so like in, in, in these areas that I've lived in, you know, people, you know, they're all organic, they're all healthy, they're all non GMO, whatever, all stuff I, I'm not, uh, but they, um, you know, they would, they would start these small farms that anybody in the community can come and work on and do stuff. And they would grow, you know, different crops there. And they would always say, if you're, you know, if you need a cucumber, not that I know why anybody would ever want one, but if you need a cucumber. Uh, to make pickles. Right. Oh yeah. Good call. Good call. The only good reason for a cucumber. Um, but uh Yeah. If you need a cucumber, you, uh, you know, can come and just take it and, you know, we'll grow more. And I always, like, I always thought it was a really cool concept, but it wasn't something I was ever interested in because it wasn't a community beef house. I don't know. Um, yeah. That sounds like it could be so much worse if you think about it. Um, the community beef house. Um, so... So yeah, um, well, it sounds like a lot of the stuff that you guys are doing up there in Tennessee is actually really, really cool. And I, I, I know we talked about it. I used to live in Tennessee. I, I lived in Nashville, um, and uh, like I love Tennessee. I hate the politics of Nashville. If that, <laughs> which. That should make sense, uh, but you know, big. It's the big. I, I think it's got to be the biggest city in Tennessee by now. Um, but it's the it's the biggest city in Tennessee, and the politics of it are emulating that of a San Francisco and L.A. and New York and Chicago and D.C. And it's not even from when I left to today. It's not the same as it once was. Like if. And I would love to see it remain how it was, but everything's going to change and big cities are going to bring more liberal uh, policies. Yeah, see, and I have a thing against cities. Like, I don't really, I mean, they're really, when I was younger, I really wanted to live in New York. I just thought it was really pretty, all the lights and stuff. I was like, I need to live there, you know? Like, right. it just looks really interesting. A lot of stuff going on, really busy. But as I got older and I learned about transdentalism, I really started to not like the city at all. And then when I got in college, I read this one article. It was very interesting. It was talking about this psychological experiment that was done with people that live in the city versus people. Okay, so you have group A and group A goes out in a serene setting, like a, you know, nature, like really calm. And then you have group B and they went over to a uh, really busy sidewalks and stuff like 
a city and they ran these series of tests on them and the ones that sat in the serene area they were able to contemplate better um they were more attentive they had an overall better attention span and um, ability to focus and stuff as opposed to the ones that were in the city and the ones that were in the city their results were pretty like scattered like and then they did the same experiment but instead of taking the people to these places they just had these groups pick like different groups different a b group pick pictures and the ones that (coughs) the city the tests that were ran on the other groups were ran you know like they took they all took the same test and they got the same results as the ones that were actually in the city so the city can cause like you know like you did not focus more on real life in a sense you know what i'm saying you're so wrapped up in like the lights and then you know, just the go, 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 like the hustle and bustle, I guess, you know, and you don't have a moment to just sit and think about, you know, things like the planet, you know? Yeah. Some, um, years ago, uh, when I was still living in Nashville, actually, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who said he wanted to help rewrite, rewrite how education was done in big cities because everywhere that you look, there's a distraction. You've got pictures everywhere. You've got lights everywhere. Flat, you know, flashing lights, sounds, anything that's going to distract you because they need to get your attention. So that way, you'll you'll come off the streets and you'll come and visit them, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to out in the out, not in the big city, uh, where if you see a restaurant and you're hungry, you should probably stop because that's that's going to be your option. Um, the way that it, the way that I saw that was well, yeah. Or we could just not try to mess around with education anymore, because that never seems to work. But also make sure that people give people the opportunity would be a better way to put that. Give people the opportunity to spend as much time out in the country as possible, because yeah, people may like the city, but you do need the reset time of being out in the away from it all. Um, yeah. Now you also referred to yourself and I told you that I had never heard this term before. Here we go. What is an anarcho Christian? Okay. I I know anarcho. I got that part. So I firmly believe that Jesus Christ would have been more on the anarchist spectrum as an anarchist, you know, a humanitarian anarchist, I guess, if you want to call him. He just kind of had very minimal belongings and, you know, just went around telling people to love each other and to live through community pretty much. And that ironically links with my political views. And if you look at who Jesus was talking about a lot of times it was people in high places and people with a lot of power you know right and the people that he surrounded himself with the most was you know the less fortunate and people that needed help so 
I uh, think that they had pretty close, me personally, I know a lot of other people will disagree with this. Um, I think that in the Bible days, they pretty much had, I mean, open borders for the most part, you know. More, and, more or less, I would think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I know that they, I know at the time of Jesus. Um, I know they had senses. Right. And you had to go back to the place in which you mm-hmm. were. You, you, the place where you came from in order to do the census. But I think other yeah. than that, you pretty much could go wherever. Not 100% sure, because I wasn't alive back then, nor is my Bible knowledge up to snuff as it used to be. Um, but no, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people, you see a lot of, uh, you see a lot of leftists on, on the old Facebook, and you know, they're like, no, Jesus would have been a socialist. And it's like, no, even I know that's just wrong. Yeah, because Jesus isn't going to, you know, put a gun to you and tell you that you have to pay X amount of dollars or feed X amount of poor or, you know, you're going to go be locked in a cage like an animal, you know. Right. Until you pay that and then pay your fines for being locked in a cage like an animal. Exactly. It, it didn't consent to it. I, and again, like, I, I don't remember any of the quotes like directly, but like I feed the hungry, feed the weak, take care of the poor or whatever. Um, n- nowhere in there does it say give the government money so yeah. they can do this. Like, instead, it's like, yeah, you as a good person, as a decent human being, go out and do this. Yeah. I think one of my main things, because I do go to church, um, but one of my main problems with organized religion is probably the fact that they don't necessarily... So they, they do mission trips and stuff like that. They go take things to places. And it's kind of the same with our government. Like, our government will go and give this... I am a I'm an anarcho-Christian, but I'm also a humanitarian. And I'm also a humanitarian that recognizes that too much humanitarian aid can cripple a nation... Or a, you know, hurt a person to an extent. Because it's like these churches go to these places and they give out rice and beans, you know, their rice and bean ministries and stuff. And I'm not saying that don't do that. I'm just saying, what are they going to do once you leave there? You know, they're going to be back in a couple weeks, not being able to feed their families and stuff. And so that's one of the things I'm pretty, you know. And. One of the uh, greatest examples that I have about this is uh, Tom's, like the shoe, Tom's. I don't know why I made this hand motion like this was a shoe, but that's what it is now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Tom's, the shoe shoe manufacturer, which I have a pair. I'm not going to lie. I I didn't really look into it. I thought that they look kind of nice. But Tom's, you know, if you buy a pair of shoes... It will send a pair of the same shoes to somebody in an undeveloped nation. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's a great plan. You know, this is really great. We're helping these people out. But in the end, what people didn't realize is that Tom's Tom's actually made a number of local factories close down because there was no more need for them to to make footwear. So they yeah. en- they ended up losing these people ended up losing their jobs because Tom's was here acting as though they were you know trying to make the world a better place 
but instead they were just hurting these people a little bit more in the long run. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, um, I know one of the main things that, cause I'm not necessarily, I don't really call, you know, I think I told you earlier, I don't like labels. I feel labels limit, but I do affiliate with the Libertarian Party. Obviously, you know, they align with my views more than any other party. Right. But, um, you know, I've had, I'm, I'm really adamant about sweatshops. I don't really like sweatshops, no matter what the uh, circumstances, like, regardless of if they're providing them, like, housing or whatever. I Like, just like, uh, oh, there's a huge one. I think it's called Yupa or something like that. Yupa? Yupa? And it's over in China. Right. Yeah. I'm not really... Yeah. big on those but i definitely do think that country like the solution comes from within the country like not from our militaries right i mean you and i definitely uh we definitely disagree on sweatshops because i am we disagree I, on sweatshops yeah i'm 100 percent on board um I, i'm like go sweatshops um and i'm saying that unironically actually but uh i feel that sweatshops are the beginning of developing the area it's like yeah you're working for five cents a day or whatever the you know whatever you're working for five cents a day but you're slowly saving money and then you get enough you have money and money is power and money then you can go no we need better working conditions and so you get slightly better working conditions then you get more money then you ask for better working conditions because now you have enough money in order to have some sort of leverage and slowly you are building your nation you're slowly building your nation out of uh, out of just extreme poverty, like, and it's a, it's a slow process. And, you know, the people for, in these cases, it's the people for today are fighting for the generations of tomorrow. And they are actually working to better the future of everybody else in that area or that nation. But again, that's why I say we have completely different views on sweatshops. <laughs> Yeah, see, I also, uh, being in more of an anarchist, I don't really believe in a monetary system either. So that's where a lot, like, it's hard for me to really have this debate with uh, people about, you know, sweatshops where they bring in money. And I'm like, well, you know, me personally, I think that money is, you know, an illusion. You know, I mean, obviously it's a reality. It's a, been made a necessary you know tool like that we use but i really don't put a lot of like i don't really believe in a monetary system pretty much like i don't think it's sustainable so when you say you don't believe in a monetary system do you mean are you more of a fan of the barter system or are you more of a yeah definitely okay absolutely at first i was like man we're getting a little communisty and then i was like please Please say yes to this barter system thing. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I'm more of a fan of the barter system. I understand the problems with the barter system, though. I get the problems with the barter system. Like, I'm a writer. Like, that's that's how I make my money. And people are like, yeah, you know, hey, man, I need you to put a roof on my house. Uh, I can pay you in words. Most people are going to say no. 
So yeah, that's well, you can always innovate and use that. You can market your skills to write and stuff, you know, and then help them write blogs and True. write stuff for their roofing company, you know. You True. Know, you just, but what typically ends up happening is somebody else is like, okay, well, I'll pay for him to put your roof on the house if you write this for me. And I'm like, great. This actually has never happened because we don't have a barter system. But then you end up with the issue of suddenly you've got, okay, well, the roof is worth $10,000. I'm making up numbers here. The roof is worth $10,000. 10000 dollars uh, worth of writing is hard to do for just one person. So I would have to split that up amongst many people and in order to keep it straight it's just easier to have some forms of iou which is what federal reserve notes are i'm not a fan of the fed not not arguing for it but i feel as though that is the only reason that it is difficult to go complete barter system yeah i mean there's definitely no there's just no anarchy switch you can't just just like for libertarians also i know a lot of them will agree with this like you can't just deregulate everything overnight because that's gonna be really bad um it's gonna be really hectic like if you just eliminated a monetary system like people wouldn't know how to live their lives like because our lives are based on this whole you know like I mean, me personally, I'm going to call it an illusion of reality because, you know, like, I mean, that's how I feel. No, I get it. About it really. I uh, get power it. and money. It's just an illusion of, you know. I mean, with the way that the uh, with the way that the Fed has been run and ever since, you know, we left the gold standard uh, when Nixon was president uh, somewhere around 72 ish and we decided just to go straight Fed. And since then our money has been completely fake. It's, it, it is legitimately monopoly money. It is IOUs that we are actually just, okay, you did this for me. Here is the money for that. Like here, here is this note saying that you did that. And I have done that exact same amount of work for somebody else. That is all that it is. It's just now it's becoming more and more inflated because there's nothing actually backing the money. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into a Fed conversation right now. Yeah, yeah, that could go on for a long time. Yeah, I definitely think with the monetary system we have now, I mean, like any crash, I mean, pretty much like, I mean, like we talked about earlier, you know, people's hearts and minds aren't ready for libertarian philosophy, you know, nobody has that like love your neighbor mentality. So if we were to have some kind of financial crash, not only... When people not know how to take care of themselves and each other, pretty much because I feel like they're lacking a lot of skills, you know, that are needed um, people to survive and remain sustainable. But they would be attacking each other, you know. So from that crash, you would have a clash of civilians, and uh, I guess that's really. I guess I just think kind of like more like of like the what ifs. I guess like long term, like look at former societies like who pretty much caused the downfall of the society and you look at it and it's the government you know and like you know they weren't able to sustain on the system that they had created you know 
Right. Like, you know, Rome fell while Caesar fiddled or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, that you said, yeah. Right. I mean, all of, most of the worst collapses in history are because of a government overstepping. Um, yeah. Well, honestly, that is just about the time. Like, actually, we, we went over time, so good on us. Um, do you have – pitch everything that you got because I know you've got more. I know besides uh, Liberty, uh, well, LibertyDeck.com. I have my phone plugged up here. I'm, uh, you know, getting low on battery, so it's a good thing that we're ending right now. Um, so here I have um, – well, I have oh, – okay, before I put it on those. I have this idea for a second, you know, like local – LP uh, parties across, you know, the states to, I mean, just like seek out entrepreneurs, like an artist and stuff, people that make furniture and people that make, um, you know, just different kinds of stuff, like bring back dead arts pretty much and like raise money for parties and stuff. Um, that was like a suggestion here. We didn't really go through with that. Um, we kind of got busy with other stuff, but here is some of the stuff that I have started on right now. Um, I don't know if you can see that good. I definitely have to edit them. Um, I really Deadpool. like that Deadpool. I, I have I gotta a, fix him. I, I got to fix it right here. I was going to say, I have a buddy that would really like that Deadpool. Um, and then here I have uh, it. Pennywise. Yeah, he's not done either. I got It's an oil painting, so it's gonna take a second. And then all these, uh, I've, I'm probably gonna have to touch them all up except for that one right there. And uh, it's just some of them. I have more in my garage. And then here's this little cactus one, and it said I'm gonna write like, can't touch this on it, you know, you know. Nice. And then right here is just probably gonna look like a bunch of trash to you guys, but. I am uh, collecting boxes and stuff where I order stuff off Amazon to plant stuff in and then, you know, put them outside because the box is going to decompose. So I use this stuff, um, like paper towel holders, toilet paper uh, holders. This actually came off plastic wrap and it's kind of thinner right here. So I'm going to use this for um, like cilantro and stuff, like cut it up in little pieces and then you fold the ends and they'll stay together and then you just put it in something with the uh, soil and that way when i want to remove it and plant you know like it will hold it up because it's like a smaller tube because i know i had um one of my little cilantro plants like slumped down and he like died so because he was falling over but uh yeah i'm currently trying to figure out how to grow cacti so i have um that right there and then more tubes to cut and uh turn into little plant holders that are biodegradable nice very cool and uh you you're working with the uh tennessee libertarians uh lp tennessee ln ln what what is their website (laughs) it is right here lptn.org yeah lptn.org for everybody that is listening uh lptn.org and uh the uh it's liberty it's liberty dex d e c k s 
Yes. Okay. Right here. LibertyDex.com. So the LPTN.org and LibertyDex.com. Um, thank, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I definitely appreciate it. Um, hang out for. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Hang out for just a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm gonna do my outro stuff and then do the outro song. But uh, I want to talk to you a little bit afterwards. Um, but okay. again, thank you so much. Definitely, I, I've truly enjoyed this entire uh, this entire show. Um, thank you. But uh, to everybody else, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash muddied waters of freedom. You can find us on Instagram at muddied waters of freedom on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. You can find us on the t- YouTube at uh, uh, youtube.com slash muddied waters media. And you can find this in every other episode at muddied waters uh, We have a entire new week tomorrow uh you've got me and spike on tuesday with muddied waters of freedom spike has an episode of uh my fellow americans on wednesday and then i got a brand new episode on thursday of the writer's block looking forward to all of it looking forward to seeing you all there looking forward to just uh looking forward to just a great rest of 2019 so uh remember sign up to everything just go and sign up to everything and we will see you guys next week I am, I am, I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell, it's astounding the legs I'll go, to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help, yeah, I am waving while I drown, don't bother swimming at it to save me, I will only drag you down, I'll try to your body is a life raft Cause if there's room enough for one There must be room enough for two I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset Sipping on savory waters And the liver turns blue